0: Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hello, and welcome into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. You can also hear this podcast over on Dash Radio, the nothing but net radio show that they do over there. we are going to dive into everything from the Nuggets 114-104 road victory over the Dallas Mavericks to kick off the post-All-Star break stretch of the regular season. The Nuggets had 25 games left before coming into this matchup in Dallas against the Mavericks and they have now come away with their 40th win of their season, their 15th road win of the season which matches their mark from the all of last season and they still have I believe 12 road games remaining. And overall, they just looked fantastic because they played with so much energy. The execution wasn't necessarily there. They missed a lot of open shots. There were some bad defensive rotations. There were some sloppy turnovers. It did look like a game in which a bunch of guys had a long rest and a long break in between games, and they kind of came back sloppy. But the Nuggets won a sloppy, defensive-minded road game, and that's an incredibly important development for this Nuggets team who has been on a drastic defensive slot basically since the start of 2019. So, overall, there was a lot of good to take away from this game. Um, We'll talk about how the Nuggets played with tons of energy from top to bottom for every player that really played in this game, Um, how Denver played a lot of three-guard lineups and they're going to have to continue to play a a lot of three-guard lineups. It was really interesting to see the way that Michael Malone was kind of working his rotation and who didn't play was just as interesting as who did play and how many minutes. Um... So like I was saying, we'll dive into with the healthy roster what this rotation is probably going to look like. Um, we'll talk about the Nuggets winning on the road and with defense, the two things that they need to do to continue dominating as they have done for the majority of the year. We'll talk about Gary Harris's return from injury and how he has massively elevated the Nuggets' de- defense in just his one game back. Um, we'll talk about Paul Millsap's good game as well as answering some Twitter questions to finish out the podcast. Before I get into all of that stuff though I want to give a quick shout out to the Regulators Regime. You can find them on Instagram under at Regulators Regime. They're the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast as well as the um, the beat that you hear after the read that I do for Terrapin Care Station which is the next company I wanted to tell you about. Um, they're the best there is when it comes to cannabis goods. They are the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast and here is a quick word from them. let's just dive into what was a very sloppy and very clunky game that still managed to be a good amount of fun. Um, Really the story of this game was how much energy the Nuggets played with, not just offensively, but on both ends of the floor. You would look at the box score and it would look like a game where both teams were just cold, but Denver was flying around. They ended up grabbing what was it, eleven steals in the game. They forced sixteen Dallas turn or fifteen Dallas turnovers, and they were getting every fifty-fifty ball. They were relentless on the glass. They ended up being plus twenty-one in rebounding. They also had yeah. 14 more offensive rebounds than the Dallas Mavericks did and of course there's a caveat here because the Mavericks were playing without their best player in Luka Doncic so it was already going to be an extremely tough game for them to win but Regardless of the situation the Nuggets came to play, they came with with a sense of urgency and they played with tons of effort even though their shots were not falling in that first half. They were ice cold from the field for the the majority of the game and it wasn't until that third quarter that they really ratcheted things up and were starting to hum offensively. they would, ne- they would have never gotten there, though, without their energy sticking consistently regardless of the fact that their shots were not falling. It did not deter them from playing with a ton of en- uh, of energy, and they needed that energy to propel them to this win because without it, there was just no way they would have had the... I mean, honestly, I keep saying the word, but the energy to be able to show up in this game. It just looked too clunky. Um, Really, so Jamal Murray, he had a struggled... He had a pretty struggle of a game uh, offensively. 5 of 16 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3-point range. He had 8 of his 12 points in a 2-minute flurry in the third quarter. And just, he wasn't very good offensively. Again, shaky decision-making, all the whole 9 that you have heard when it comes to Jamal Murray. The, what he did in this game that was different, though, was that he was entirely bought in defensively. And the amount of effort that he was giving was insane. There was a play... Yeah. Um, well, there was a video that I put in my Five Takeaways article that is up on Mile High Sports right now where – Jamal Murray starts and pokes the ball away on the perimeter, going for a steal, and he fights all the way down the court from basically the opposite three point line to the other corner just to get that rebound, uh, just to get that steal. He then kicks that ball to Will Barton, who throws a no look bounce pass to Paul Millsap, who gets the and one. The amount of effort and energy he had to put into that play was special, and it was it really summed up the kind of night Jamal Murray had. And the other play was he tried to save an errant Nikola Jokic. Pass from going out of bounds. So it was a full court pass to the right corner. So Jamal Murray ended up in the far right corner and managed to get from out of bounds in that right corner all the way 94 feet to the other end of the floor to the opposite corner to block a shot taken from the corner 3 area I mean the effort that he was giving was absolutely insane he was diving for 50-50 balls and it was just great to see Um, it did look like his ankle was still bothering him that left ankle that's given him issues all year and it did not help that he ended up um, getting his legs taken out from underneath him by Devin Harris former Nuggets guard uh, when they were both going for a loose ball and Murray came up limping a little bit more so we'll have to monitor Murray more and more as the season progresses but it was so great to see him buying in defensively so much even though he just wasn't really there offensively as you would like to see um Nikola Jokic too in terms of just endless energy he was just he was relentless he ended up playing 30 minutes tonight and it was funny because it didn't feel like he was putting a big imprint on this game, but 19 points, 13 rebounds, 5 of them offensive, and 8 assists in the game. He was actually very, very good. Um, this wasn't his typical efficient self, but he was under the skin of Salah Majiri all night, and he was also, like everyone else, giving tons of effort. Paul Millsap was just as stingy of a defender as it gets, and offensively, he was very helpful for this Nuggets team when the going got tough. I wrote about this in my 5 takeaways as well, where when the Nuggets offense kind of just fell apart and was getting stagnant Paul Millsap was able to manufacture points when the Nuggets needed it most and that's something that he and his skill set are going to be asked to do there's not very many players on this Nuggets team who can just score one on one when things aren't going well Uh, Paul Millsap, Will Barton, Nikola Jokic and maybe Jamal Murray are those guys and to see Paul Millsap step up when the Nuggets needed him too in the way that he did was huge and on defense he was just relentless as well I mean Malik Beasley was great I thought defensively he I mean, he, he still got lost off ball a few times but the effort was there and the on ball pressure was there I mean Will Barton ended up with two steals in the night and was flying around as well really everybody who played in this game just gave a ton of effort and there's no way the Nuggets come away with, with, with this win without all of the multiple efforts that they were giving. The next interesting kind of narrative or takeaway from this game was the fact that the Nuggets are going to have to use a lot of three-guard lineups from here on out. Now that Isaiah Thomas has played two games, it's very clear that he still has quite a bit of talent and that the Nuggets are not going to be able to keep him off the floor. With that being said, Monte Morris has been too good to take off the floor as well. So how do you create a scenario in which you can play Jamal Murray, Isaiah Thomas, and Monte Morris alongside Malik. Beasley, Gary Harris, and Will Barton? The answer is just play three guards. And the only way that they're going to be able to do that is if they start cutting guys out of this rotation. Um, I want to talk about that separately a little bit, but just to kind of lead into it, Trey Lyles was out with an injury, and he could be out up to two weeks, so when it comes to Trey Lyles, he is likely not going to be in this rotation after he gets done with his rehabilitation as well, just because it's just not a role for him anymore. Additionally, Torrey Craig did not play a single minute against the Dallas Mavericks, and Juancho Hernan and Gomez only played nine. So Michael Malone essentially only played a nine-man rotation, with Juancho Hernan and Gomez playing just nine minutes sprinkled in. I have a very strong suspicion that when this rotation finally shakes itself out and everybody gets healthy and Gary Harris slides back into the starting role, that you're just going to see Malik Beasley playing small forward, maybe some Tory Craig playing some backup power forward with Isaiah Thomas and Monte Morris playing together. They were absolutely phenomenal offensively together. I mean, they feed into each other so well because either of them can play on or off the ball. Both of them are so savvy as point guards and both of them have been great scorers this year So far as well, Isaiah Thomas more in a historic precedent than just the two games he's played so far. So there is a way that you can play Isaiah Thomas, Monte Morris, and Malik Beasley off the bench with Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, and Will Barton starting. So that is a way that they can full-blown play six guards in their rotation. It's going to be tough, though. It's going to be a ton of small ball, but it does allow the Nuggets some interesting opportunities because it'll allow Mason Plumlee to get some more run than he would have originally had. Plumlee played 21 minutes tonight, the most of any bench player for the Nuggets, and he was able to do so because the Nuggets, he was the only big on the floor when it came to that bench shooter that had to play incredibly small. It also allows Michael Malone to stagger Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic's minutes a little bit, I think, because they're going to need some more Size and some more defensive versatility on that bench unit. So it'll be interesting to see if Michael Malone elects to put Mason Plumley in as his first guy off the bench with Nikola Jokic so that he can bend Paul Millsap into that role as a backup power forward a little bit after he starts the game just by being able to stagger their minutes. It's going to be interesting how he does this, but it's very much so looking like what I thought it was going to be, where Trey Lyles is just not in this rotation, and then Torrey Craig and Wancho Hernan and Gomez, depending on the matchup, will be the 10th and last guy off the bench. So it's going to be very interesting, but it sure as hell seems like the Nuggets are going to play all six of their guards in their rotation in Jamal Murray, Isaiah Thomas, Ma Monte Morris, Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, and Will Barton. Um, The other takeaway that I had from this game, this was probably the most important takeaway in terms of a grand scheme thing, is that The Nuggets are going to need to win games on the road, and they're going to need to win games with defense, and they did both in this game. They ended up holding the Dallas Mavericks to just 40.5% shooting from the field, 24.4% from the three-point line, and if it wasn't for the fact that the Dallas Mavericks got so many foul calls, there's a very high likelihood that Denver blows them out even more than they already did. So the Nuggets defensively, I thought, were very, very good in this game, and additionally, it traveled with them on the road when they played in Dallas for their first game after the All-Star break. That's a tougher game than it seems like even without Luka Doncic just because it's hard to be completely locked in after the All-Star break. But the Nuggets came in, played very stringent defense, and they carried their defense on the road with them. If they can continue doing that, it's going to be huge for their ability to be able to... I guess put away teams early get some rest things like that because without being able to put teams away without having that defensive personnel to make those kinds of opportunities present themselves the Nuggets could end up running this team into the ground once again in ways that they just should not because they're going to need a rested team heading into the playoff race once they get closer and closer to that goal. Um but it was great to see Denver play such strong defense. And I think the biggest reason for Denver's strong defense, it had to be Gary Harris as a big portion of this. Um, Gary was great in his 20 minutes. He looked athletic. He looked explosive. He looked comfortable. He was finishing at the rim. Um, if I remember correctly, he hit a three. Yeah, he had he hit one of his threes. Um, he even had a nice assist in this game. And defensively, I mean... His ability to stunt and recover is something that this Nuggets team does not have. His like he, they they have athletic players like Malik Beasley and Will Barton can stunt down and they have the physical traits to get back to their guy. They just don't have the combination of high defensive IQ as well as the physical traits to do so. Gary Harris may be the only player on this team who can balance both, and it's because he is just such a smart defender in terms of the angles he takes to either cut off his man from receiving. To pass or to get down into the paint when he stuns off of his guy to provide help side defense in the paint. Either way, Gary Harris was just so impactful and he really opened up so many new defensive opportunities that the Nuggets did not have with him on the floor. Of course, Paul Millsap also being back is a big boost, but. Gary Harris is the final key to Denver getting back to their strong defensive ability that they had in the first two months of the season I cannot wait to see where they can get to with Gary Harris but it does seem like he is much further along than uh, than originally expected a lot of us thought that Gary could have played before the all-star break but from watching him play tonight it looked like the nuggets took the conservative route to allow him to not play at all all the way through the all-star break and what that did is they got a completely rejuvenated and refreshed Gary Harris immediately out of the All-Star break. If he can continue to grow off of this and develop quicker and quicker and get back to the rhythm that he had at the end of last year man this nuggets team is going to just ascend to heights that we had not seen before and defensively again i cannot say this his iq and his ability to stunt and recover were huge in this game and i think that's just going to get better and better and better as time goes on that was a that was a very i i spoke through that very quickly just because i've written a lot on this already but Man, what a what a performance from the Nuggets considering that they just didn't have their best stuff in this game. And the second they decided just to turn the corner and they caught a rhythm offensively, they just took off in this game. Um, I'm going to get to some Twitter questions here in a second, but before I do that, let me give you one more quick word from Terrapin Care Station because they're doing some interesting monthly deals as well. So if you wanted to get a half ounce of flour and four grams of double bear hash, it's only going to be ninety nine dollars at Terrapin Care Station. Additionally, you can get eight grams of double of double bear concentrates for only a hundred dollars. That is an absolutely incredible. deal. Deal, and it's something that you should definitely look into if you're looking into cannabis goods at very affordable prices. Terrapin Care Station is as discreet as it gets. They always have parking on their site and they get you in and out quickly. They are as good as it gets when it comes to cannabis goods, and it's definitely a place that is worthy of giving your business. So go check out Terrapin Care Station. Go check out their website, terrapincarestation.com. You can find them on Weed Maps. You can find them really anywhere. They're one of the more popular and more established dispensaries in the country. And there they will do whatever it takes to fulfill your cannabis needs. All right. As everyone knows, this is my favorite segment, which is answering Twitter questions. And since I didn't talk too much about Isaiah Thomas in this podcast, I elected to just pick out the three Uh, Most important Isaiah Thomas questions that I got from the people of Twitter. So let's just dive straight into it. Um, What would a closing lineup with Isaiah Thomas look like? This comes from Grant on Twitter. I like this question because it allows me to kind of open up a different uh, conversation, which is the only way that Isaiah Thomas is going to close games for the Denver Nuggets is if one of Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, or Will Barton is struggling badly, or if Isaiah Thomas is just unconscious and you cannot take him off the floor which either scenario is absolutely possible to happen um If Isaiah Thomas does end up closing, if we're just going to play devil's advocate with this question and we're not going to get too nuanced in our opinion with it, I do think the way that Isaiah Thomas ends up closing is most likely over Will Barton if he does not get his rhythm back or Jamal Murray if he continues to make rough decisions with the ball in his hands late in games. It's so hard, though, because... Jamal Murray has been one of the best clutch offensive players in the league. Gary Harris is arguably your best defender on the team, and Will Barton has the skill set that very few other players on this team have in terms of getting downhill and breaking down a defense single-handedly in isolation if needed. He can get his shot whenever you need it. Sure, Isaiah Thomas could, but if you're going to flip Isaiah Thomas for Will Barton, you're talking about playing three guards that are 6'4 or shorter and then hopefully filling that in with 6'8 powerful forward Paul Millsap and then Nikola Jokic that's a very 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 small defensive team right there so it's going to be extremely difficult to find a role for Isaiah Thomas to close for the Nuggets so the way that I see it the only way that this actually happens is if either one of those three is really struggling or if Isaiah Thomas is just so incredible that they cannot take him off the floor and they kind of just pick their poison which with who they bench at that point so I don't see it being a scenario, I don't see it being a consistent thing um, for, with them trying to close with Isaiah Thomas, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see because the Isaiah Thomas that we have seen in the first two games has been so much further along in terms of, their, in terms of his production than what was expected considering he's been out for 11 months. Um, how does Isaiah Thomas affect Denver's ceiling? I love this question as well because what it does is it opens up the idea that playing three guards this consistently is actually going to further weaponize this Denver Nuggets team. Because you're just adding another lethal shooter, another guy who can break down a defense when he needs to, and another um, just very intelligent pick and roll ball handler who can create for others and the other thing is too is that as much as I love Tory Craig and everyone who has followed my work knows that I'm extremely high on Tory Craig still it's that defenses will just completely sag off Tory Craig and force him to beat you when you don't play a guy like Tory Craig and you go smaller and you add in a guy like Isaiah Thomas into the mix all of a sudden you have a A five man group that you have to just defend straight up because if you help off anybody that person can hurt you you have to be able to play them just one on one spread out because if you can't it's going to absolutely be impossible to defend them so I'm actually very I think Isaiah Thomas is going to significantly raise the ceiling of this team if he can continue playing the way that he has played because there's going to be no actual way to defend this Nuggets team and on Honestly... The Nuggets have done a very good job of covering up for Isaiah Thomas defensively in two games so far. Mason Plumlee tonight was great communicating with Isaiah to pre-switch and to get him out of mismatch scenarios. If the Nuggets can continue to do that and not fall off a cliff defensively, having Isaiah Thomas taking on either Wancho Hernan Gomez or Torrey Craig or Trey Lyles' extra minutes and going smaller is just going to make this team even more versatile offensively, which should terrify the rest of the NBA. Um, what type of role would Isaiah Thomas have in the playoffs? I think that you would just see him play an expanded role off the bench. I could see a scenario in the playoffs in which Jamal Murray is not playing 38 to 40 minutes a night like he has done the majority of the season. I could see him playing more of a rotation like he did tonight where he only played uh, 33 minutes and you see Isaiah Thomas get 15 and you see Monte Morris get 19. Being able to take some pressure off of him, get more of a... I guess fully energized Jamal Murray while also allowing savvy and more polished point guards to run the show for longer periods of time can be beneficial for all parties involved. I also think that when it comes to the playoffs, you can now play one of Monte Morris or Isaiah Thomas alongside Jamal Murray significantly more than you would in the regular season, which in turn allows Jamal Murray to play off ball as opposed to forcing him to make high level decision making reads in the pick and roll and as a ball dominant point guard or whatever he is playing, whatever role he is playing in a playoff atmosphere where they're going to be going after him. So it just, Isaiah Thomas brings so much more versatility and a lot more an ability to hide mismatches or hide you know situations that can be exploited by the opposing teams um, thank you again for everyone sticking with me and listening to this podcast it's been a lot of fun the growth just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger um, the nuggets are now 40 and eight on the year they are 22 games above 500 they are now 15 and 14 on the road which matches their win total on the road for the entire year last year and there's still 12 road games remaining and the nuggets are just quickly moving along Um, they are going to be starting a four-game road trip on sunday afternoon at 3 p.m mountain standard time against the los angeles clippers in a very Pivotal tiebreaker kind of deciding game that the Nuggets need to win. After that, they will take on the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz for two divisional games. And it's just going to be an extremely fun run to the finish. Get ready for a crazy ending to the season. But one thing is for sure is that the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast will be here to provide all the analysis that I can possibly fit into a twenty-five to thirty minute podcast, or if Brendan Vote is on it, an hour-long podcast. But Regardless, thank you guys so much for sharing this podcast on Twitter. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes. Thank you for leaving a five-star review and leaving comments to be able to let me know which ways to continue to direct this podcast. Without fan interaction, without getting questions from people on Twitter, without just knowing what fans are looking for, this podcast will never get better. So thank you guys so much for supporting me on this path. It's been tons of fun, and there will be another podcast on Sunday night after the Nuggets take on the Clippers. Until then, have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you guys soon and now a thought from geico motorcycle it took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online please be the cheetah please be the cheetah And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance.